Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We're continuing our examination of the book of Colossians. Paul's writing back to the body of Christ in Colossus. And uh, we've gone up through, I think, the fifth verse, but let's go back to the third verse because this is all one sentence. From verse 3, I think, through verse 8 in the New American Standard is one sentence. So much to be gleaned here. Uh, so much truth to understand. So verse 3, Paul is saying this. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth. Let me stop right there in the middle of the sentence. That's the end, close to the end of the fifth, chapter, fifth verse. I stopped one word short. and You'll see why in just a moment. But quite often in the scripture, you'll see this faith, hope, and love thing. We're very familiar with it from the end of the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Now, you know, faith, we have faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Here you have faith, love, and hope. We've seen it before in Thessalonians. I think the first chapter says it. <clears throat> Several places have that type of grouping. Here you see that they have faith in Christ Jesus. They had love for the saints, for the brethren. And they had hope laid up for them in heaven. So it always does us well to take just a moment when we encounter love, we encounter faith and hope, sort of close right here like this to look at it and see what's being said to this particular portion of the body of Christ. So let's pick up verse 5 again. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you. And so the gospel is at the end of the fifth verse, and then which has come to you is beginning of the sixth verse. So what's the word of truth? The word of truth is that gospel that had come to them. Well, Paul continues. Just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. So let me stop there. The sentence is not over with yet. So what's he saying? He's saying, you know, the gospel's come to you, and y'all received it, and man, you have just been exploding. You have faith in Christ Jesus. It's obvious that you have been transformed because of the love that you have for the saints. It's obvious that you have believed in the salvation because the hope that you have laid up for you in heaven, you believe that hope, you're anticipating that hope, you look forward to that hope, you heard about it in the gospel, you believed it, and that you are bearing fruit. You are bearing fruit, and you're constantly bearing fruit, even as the gospel is constantly bearing fruit everywhere it goes, and it's increasing. Uh Paul gets in a little hyperbole right here, but not really. Verse 6, he said, which has come to you just as in all the world. Okay, Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. So he's saying this, that where the gospel goes, where this good news goes, it is bearing fruit. It is increasing. Now, it's a different kind of thing. You know, a lot of times when we see something like that, we think, well, the gospel comes in and every, it'll say everyone believes. Everybody believes. We think, well, that means every, absolutely every individual believe. No, not necessarily so. It means a lot of people believe. Paul would do something like this. 
like I live in the uh, state of Alabama. So Paul would have gone into Alabama, gone to the major city, let's say, of Birmingham. And he would have stayed there a week or two and brought the gospel message. And uh, people would have believed. A group of people would have believed. Then he would have packed up and gone off to Georgia. And he, and he would tell the people in Georgia, Alabama has received the gospel and believed. Well, does that mean that everybody in Alabama received the gospel? No, most hadn't heard it yet. But the seed had been planted. There were those who did believe. Ooh, I just thought of something. This is a good time on this. <laughs> there were those that did believe. And they would go and propagate the gospel. That's what the Colossians had been doing. That's what you see, particularly in Thessalonians. It says that they had trumpeted forth the gospel in all of Macedonia and Achaia. That's what the Thessalonians had done. It is the same thing that you see at the very beginning uh, in the Garden of Eden. Sometimes we forget this. When the Lord created everything, made the heavens, made the earth, made everything, he made a garden. And then he gave man responsibility, not only to tend the garden, but to image him. And the, the garden was a very specific place. It was between these four rivers, a mountain. It's described in, I think, Ezekiel as a great high mountain, the mountain of God. But then it was just a beautiful land. But it wasn't the whole world. Quite often people think the whole earth, the whole world was the Garden of Eden. No, 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 no. What God's plan was, he wanted man to join with him to take and spread the Garden of Eden all over the world. In other words, y'all tend the garden. Y'all be fruitful and multiply and subdue the land. Spread this Garden of Eden out everywhere. Well, we know what happened with that, right? Man rebelled. <laughs> so what we're seeing here is where the gospel is going forth, it is constantly bearing fruit. It's constantly increasing. Then verse 6, even as it's been doing in you also since the day you've heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. So he's telling them, this is what's been happening with you from the moment that you heard the gospel and you understood the gospel, you understood the grace that God was pouring forth upon you, you understood the truth, this is what's been happening to you. You have been bearing fruit and you have been increasing. Can we say likewise? This is a loaded question, is it not? And really, if you're a true believer, this is what has been occurring to you and happening to you. What a lot of us are beginning to realize, you know, we need to work a little more proactively with God in the midst of all this. Not to quench the spirit, not to live so much in, in the flesh and in the world and our uh, preconceived ideas of what a right relationship is with God. Uh, to sort of break the bondages of religion and denominationalism and things like that and to actually live and do life the way that we see in the Scripture. That's what he's calling us to do. He says, you've been doing this since the day you heard. Now, the last two verses will be done for today. Verse 7, he says this, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. So there we have love again. We looked at this, I think, the previous episode, how we have the, the Son and the Father and the Spirit at the very beginning of this letter, and you have it here again. You have love, you have faith, you have hope, you have love in the Spirit. And so he's letting them know. Epaphras was the one who brought this truth of the gospel to you, which they knew. They knew that, right? But it's confirming that Paul, that they have a mutual friend here. And he said that Epaphras is our beloved fellow bondservant. He's one of us. 
He says he's faithful, and he's a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. Now, Paul wasn't blowing his own trumpet. Like, hey, he's my best buddy. He's my servant right here. And yeah, yeah, I allowed him to come up there and hang out with y'all and give you a little bit of that gospel. No, no, no. He's just telling about the relationship they had. And when you see Epaphras or Epaphroditus, we believe it's the same guy, in other writings, you see uh, the relationship that he and Paul had. They were close, and Paul would send him to places, and he would carry letters for Paul and stuff like that. Here he describes Epaphras as beloved, as a fellow bond servant, as a faithful servant, and that he's the one that had informed Paul about what had happened there to the Colossians. He informed us of your love in the Spirit. So Paul is telling them from the very beginning, I see what's happened to you. I've heard what's happened to you. Your faith in Lord Jesus Christ, the love you have for all the saints, the hope you have laid up for you. I mean, it's just an exciting thing, how you're bearing fruit, how you're increasing in the Lord day in and day out. So you wonder, why is he writing the letter? Well, usually when he's writing, there's some uh, things to be addressed. Sometimes he's answering questions. Sometimes he brings up things that he's heard about, etc., that need to be addressed. In this case right here, we're about to see in the next few verses one of the primary reasons why he was writing. There's hints of it right here already, but we'll see it in the next few verses, okay? Well, my time is up. Again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for your time, and I'll see you in the next episode.